Welcome to the Mamas in Midlife podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Lewis, and today we're talking about the importance of strength training and nutrition with Amber Brzezinski. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm so excited to share with you this interview with Amber Brzezinski. Amber is the creator of a business called Biceps After Babies. I found her earlier this year on Instagram and I was interested in what she was sharing based on her name. So I started following her and I started learning a lot about nutrition and about strength training and how those things impact our bodies. I had been wanting to have her on the podcast so she could share with us mamas in midlife about the importance of strength training. And she also dives into the nutrition piece and the role that that plays and how it's very individualized for each person. So I'm not going to give you any more details. I'm going to let you go ahead and listen to this interview with Amber Brzezinski. And I hope you enjoy this. Amber, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for, for joining me. I have been thinking about Amber for a while since I learned about her on Instagram. And I thought she would be a great one to have on the podcast. And so when I reached out and she was available, I was pretty excited that um, she was going to be able to do this with me. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Okay. So just starting out, could you tell um, the listeners a little bit about you, like what your background is and a little bit about how you started Biceps After Babies? Absolutely. So my name is Amber Brzezinski and um, I started Biceps After Babies about five years ago and it came from a place of... Um, having a long history in, you know, in fitness and in, in my own fitness journey, I, you know, going all the way back, I was 14 years old when I first st- stepped in a weight room and I was actually taken there by my mom, which is pretty cool. Uh, I grew up with my mom as a aerobics instructor. She did like old school aerobics and step aerobics. And so I grew up watching her do that. And, um, she worked out at the YMCA and taught at the YMCA. And so when I was 14, that was the age limit. You had to be at least 14 to go into the weight room. And so I remember when I turned 14, my mom was like, okay, we're going to go into the weight room. I'm going to show you the weights. I'm going to show you like the dumbbells and all of the things. And so from a very young age, I had this perception that like women lifted weights. And I know that many women don't grow up with that, right? It's, it's, that's kind of counterintuitive to a lot of women where it's like, no, women don't lift weights. In fact, it's funny, my friend, um, they're cleaning out a cabin and it has just like tons and tons of junk in it. They just bought this cabin and it, there's this like book from like the 1950s and she took a picture of it and she sent it to me and it was like written in the 50s. It was about women in their, in their midlife actually. And it was talking about women over 35 don't want to, don't want to lift weights. Like if you, you know, you do want some muscle. And so you probably should like pick up your children and like push your grocery cart. (laughs) And that was like the extent of like what was taught back then in terms of like weightlifting for women. So I know that my experience, you know, growing up with that was was a little unusual, but it absolutely shaped my perception of the world, my perception of what women do. And so over the years, you know, I did, I've done different kinds of, um, various things with, in terms of like my health and fitness. So I've run a marathon. I did running for a while. I've lifted weights. I've kind of dabbled in powerlifting and done kind of a little bit of everything. Um, but the, the core thing that 
you know, always underlies that is, is this idea of like taking care of myself. And my mother was such a great example. She's a mom of seven. And, uh, but I always, always, always saw her prioritize her health and fitness. And I always saw her go to the gym and I always saw her teach her classes. And that was her time. And I knew that like from a very young age, that was mom's time because that was something that was important to mom. And um, so everything in my, in my fitness journey has had that underlying um, idea of like taking care of myself and building the best foundation for myself so that I am able to serve those around me, those I love, people in my business, my clients at a, at a higher level. Um, and so, you know, that kind of, we fast forward many, many years and um, I was teaching group fitness classes and I got to a point where, like I said, I had been running marathons, teaching group fitness classes. And I felt like I got to this point where I'm like, I'm doing all these things and like my body doesn't change. It kind of always just looks the same. Like what's the key? Like what's the key to getting a six pack? What's the key to like looking like I actually lift? You know, I lifted, but I was like, I don't feel like I look like I lift. And so uh, I started an Instagram account and I called it biceps after babies. And that name came to me because I wanted to show moms specifically, um, but women in general that you didn't have to say, oh, my best years are behind me. Oh, I'm not 20 anymore. Oh, I have four kids. Oh, I'm in my 50s, right? Like I wanted to move women from this idea that like your best days aren't behind you, that you can have biceps after babies, or you can have biceps in your 50s, or you can have like, like at no point do we have to look back and say like, oh, I just missed the, I missed the boat. <laughs> I, I can't get started. And um, I started that Instagram account in 2016 and that turned into a business and it turned into coaching and it turned into serving clients and it turned into being able to really help a lot of women both in their nutrition journey and in their, their lifting journey to be able to build a solid foundation for themselves and to pour into themselves, which allows them to pour into other people. That was so awesome. And I have more specific questions related to some of the things you said, but I want to just touch on what you said about the focus of taking care of yourself. Because mm -hmm. that's one thing, you know, me being in the mental health world and working with clients and some of the things that I share on my podcast is related to self-care. Mm -hmm. And just like, I am always like, so you got to start with the basics, the physical needs, you know, food, water, sleep, exercise. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one thing that especially, you know, I have clients dealing with depression. That's one thing I'm like really pushing them, like get out and move your body. Even if you walk around the park once. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just that idea that you from a young age realized how important it was to prioritize yourself and in doing so it helped you to be able to do other things and to serve other people in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and I also want to make the point too, because I know I share my story and a lot of people are like, well, I didn't grow up that way. Right. Like my mom didn't, didn't, wasn't a great example to me. Like she was a yo-yo dieter or I, she was always on the next fad diet. Like a lot of women I know have grown up in a different situation than maybe I was able to grow up. And what I would say to you, if you're listening, thinking, well, that wasn't my lived experience, right? That wasn't what I learned from a young age. Um, how amazing is it if you can be that for the next generation? And so I want to empower women who are listening to this, who maybe haven't had that lived experience to, to recognize that you can be the shift right? You can be the shift. You can be that trajectory changer for the rest of your tree, for the rest of your children, for your grandchildren. You can be the one that at any moment you can change the trajectory of your tree and, and be that example that you kind of wished that you would have had. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's a great way, a great perspective as well. Um, so as I said earlier, I, this year I found you on Instagram and started following you and learned about what you, 
what you teach related to strength training, and I really enjoy learning from you, watching your posts. So for me, for many years, I thought my focus when working out should be on cardio um, to help like with weight management and also for heart health. But then after I started listening to you, and I kind of did some weight lifting over the years, but I thought the focus should really be on cardio because I, that's how to take care of my body. But after I started learning from you and what you taught, it was like I had this shift about strength training. So could you share with us why strength training is so important, maybe even particularly right now, like for midlife, because that's the audience that I speak to. And as we age, or maybe strength training is just something that we need to be doing maybe at any age. So if you could just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think it's interesting to note that for many women, uh, we have this idea that like maybe strength training or lifting weights is for younger women and that it's like more important for women in their twenties or like that, again, that idea that like, that's, that's past me. Like I'm past that. Right. And what I really want to try and turn on its head and help women to understand is that, um, weightlifting actually gets more important the older you get. And so it's not like you're, yeah, in your twenties and thirties, you're in your prime. And like, that's when you should be lifting weights. And if you missed that boat, well then like you missed it, but rather as you age, it is more important that you are lifting weights than even when you're younger, because when you're younger, you have a lot of muscle mass, like just naturally <laughs> you're given a lot of muscle mass, you have it. But the thing that most women don't understand is that as you age, that muscle mass if you don't do anything about it, naturally declines. And that's why we see in old age, you know, women specifically getting frail and not able to perform activities of daily living, not able to get off the toilet, not able to like get, you know, get out of bed. These things that require strength, they require muscle mass in order to do, um, those women are able to do it because that level of muscle mass declines as you age. Now it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to decline, but if you want to not have that, lose that muscle mass, you have to use it. You have to lift weights. You have to tell your body that it's a priority to keep that muscle mass. And so we had a really, my husband's actually a physician and he deals mostly in his specialty with older women. And, um, we had, he had a really interesting experience as, um, I've been lifting for a lot of years and finally got him into lifting and kind of realizing the importance of it. He had this really um, interesting experience one day at work where he, uh, he works in women's health. And so he um, had a patient who was there and she was not that old, uh, but she struggled to even lift her legs up into the stirrups. Like, she, like some, they had to help her lift her legs up into the stirrups. And he just had this realization because he sees all these patients of like, she didn't even have the muscle mass to do that. And what was that trajectory going to be like for her over, over the years? And it was just this good uh, reminder that the reason we lift weights, we can talk about getting a six pack. We can talk about getting biceps, we can talk about looking better, but really forming that, that foundation of muscle mass and being able to preserve it as you age allows you to do the things that you want to do. Like most of us want to be in our eighties and still able to go to the bathroom and like get ourselves out of the toilet. And most of us want to be able to like play with our grandchildren. And most of us want to be able to drive a car. Those things, those activities of daily living require an amount of muscle mass. And if you aren't being intentional about it, you're not going to have the amount that you need in order to live the life that you want to do. And so I would say that, that to me is like 
the why. <laughs> That's yeah. the why. That's the why behind weightlifting. Yeah, muscles are cool. Yeah, like we like to look ripped. Yeah, like yeah, lifting weights is awesome. And I can talk about like the mental aspects of lifting weight. But what it really comes down to is what do you want your quality of life to be like at age 60? at age 70, at age 80, and age 90, and on, and recognizing that the time you put in now and the muscle you build now will impact your quality of life in those, in those later years. That, as I listen to you, I'm like, oh, yes, this is why I'm doing it. Yes, it's nice to see a little bit of definition happen as I've started focusing more on strength training, but you talked about the why, and that's totally me. Like, I just had my first grandbaby this year, and mm -hmm. I think about the quality of life. I'm, I want to be able to play and run and do all these things with my grandbabies, and I want to do the activities of daily living. Mm -hmm. And so as I listen to you, it's almost like confirming to me, yes, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah. But, like, along with that, like, does it need to be cardio alone? Are you going to get strength training or does it need to be, you need to be doing some kind of bands, resistance of some sort? Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we won't get into like too heavy of the science, but I think it's yeah. important to understand what's called the stress recovery adaptation cycle. Um, this is, this is a, a general concept that you're that is applied in many areas of your body but we're going to apply it specifically to strength training and that is this idea that um our bodies are go undergo a, some sort of stressor and when that stressor is applied uh the body then is able to go through a recovery from that stress and because it goes through that recovery it creates an adaptation and so you see this in plants you see this in animals like you see it's like this it's allows organisms to be able to adapt to what their environment is right and so um if if you're applying a stress and you're creating a recovery and then creating an adaptation that that organism then comes back a little bit stronger so the next time it can withstand that stress right we understand this in terms of evolution we understand this in terms of like bugs and the color that they are and things like that and the same thing applies to your body and so um the goal with strength training or with any type of like exercise is to apply a stress, allow for recovery and have an adaptation that allows you to come out of that a little bit stronger, able to run a little bit further, able to do a little bit more than you were able to do yesterday. And so when you understand that, um, it's easy to see how cardio, the stress that cardio applies, uh, it encourages an adaptation that is different than something that strength training applies. So the stress that cardio applies is on your heart, it's on your cardiovascular system, it's on your blood pumping, it's on um, your vascular system being able to contract and, and expand and, and adapt for that, right? It's a little bit on like muscle and um, endurance, right? So if you're running like muscular endurance in terms of your quadriceps and calves, but majorly the majority of the adaptation is within the cardiovascular system, which is very beneficial. Like we all know that we need strong hearts. We all know that we need good blood pressure. That's all well and good. When we look at the stress recovery adaptation cycle as it applies to strength training, we are creating a stress on the body um, in the form of resistance, right? And so whether you're using bands or dumbbells or barbells, you're creating a resistance on the body. You're, you're creating a stress on it. And our body in order to, um, then has to adapt and recover from that experience. And in that recovery process, it realizes it needs to become stronger, right? So you lift a dumbbell, your body's like, oh, that was a stressor. I need to adapt. I need to be able to lift this heavy weight. And so you add more muscle mass or you add more strength. Um, and so that is the adaptation cycle that you see going on with muscle mass. And so it's easy to understand how doing cardio doesn't help you to build any muscle. 
because you're not stressing the muscle, you're stressing the cardiovascular system. Now the key and the great thing about cardio or about weight training is that when you are lifting weights, not only are you stressing your muscles, but you're also stressing your cardiovascular system. So it's like, it's like a two for one. So you can do cardio and you can stress your cardiovascular system and improve it, or you can do weights and you can stress both your muscles and your cardiovascular system. And if you've ever lifted um, weights that are challenging for you, I, I hesitate to say the word heavy weights because people have a conception about what heavy is. Heavy just means that it's challenging for you. So if you've ever lifted weights that were challenging for you, you come out of a set of 10 and you're breathing hard and you are, your heart is pumping <laughs> and you're getting that cardiovascular stimulus and you're getting a second bang for your buck. You're, you're training your muscles as well. And so it, it's not a matter of like, do we do cardio or do we do weights? They're both important, but if you have a limited amount of time, doing strength training is going to help you to train both. Yeah, great explanation. I never thought about the two for one because I th I've thought about that with uh, when lifting weights. I'm like, I am breathing hard. Am I not? Is this not card a little bit of cardio or benefiting that system as well? And you just Absolutely. answered that question. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, that's that's great information. So I know another big thing that you teach is related to macros and the part that that plays in fitness and strength training and overall health. And I know that this is a really big topic, but I'm just wondering if you could give a summary of the part, well, what macros is and how that plays a part in the strength training. Yeah, absolutely. So most people understand that there's really, you know, two big rocks when it comes to our physical health. Uh, it's the exercise that you're doing and the food that you're eating, right? Those are our two big rocks. And so when it comes to workouts, you know, there's cardio and there's strength training and there's important aspects of those. Um, and then there's the food that you're eating. And I would say for most women, uh, most of the women that I work with, the food part is a lot harder. <laughs> Than the, than the work in, working out. I find many, many women are able, not all, but many women are able to get into a routine, uh, show up at the gym or, or prioritize some sort of movement of their body. But when it comes to the nutrition aspect, they have very good intentions and those intentions often are short-lived and then fall apart. And they fall into the cycle of repeating patterns. They fall into the cycle of dieting and then of overeating and um, aren't able to figure it out. And, and one of the reasons that, that I think that that is, is because nutrition is so much more than um, just fuel, right? Like the food that we eat is more than just fuel. There's an emotional component to it. There's a societal component. There's a cultural component to it. Um, and there's a mental component to it. And especially in the society that a lot of us have been raised in, the way that we saw our mothers grow up, the way that we've seen the media portrayed, like there is a mental aspect to eating uh, that is separate from just see, viewing it as fuel. And because of that, there can be a lot of challenges in maintaining consistency, in not self-sabotaging, um, and in really zeroing in your nutrition to be able to support the goals that you want to have. Um, and it's for that reason that a lot of the coaching that I do is on nutrition and helping women to figure out a plan that is going to be ideal and work for them and their goals. Because here's, here's the truth. <laughs> here's the truth. So many women feel like their goal, if they want to reach the, an end result, they want to lose weight, they want to do whatever it is, that their goals, they just have to like try enough diets to be able to find one that's going to work. 
right? And so we get this like diet hopper who like tries a diet, doesn't work, tries a new diet, doesn't work, tries a new diet, doesn't work. Or we get the yo-yo dieter who tries a diet, it works, but then long-term they're not able to maintain it. It's too restrictive, like they're not able to stick with it. So we get a lot of women who are diet hoppers or who are these yo-yo dieters. And, um, and long-term those that doesn't produce the results that they want. And the problem with that is, is that they are looking to fit themselves into a diet. They're looking to go to a diet and to follow the rules that the diet gives them and um, see if it works. And if those rules don't work, then they go try some new rules. And, and every single time what they're doing is they're trying to fit their body, their goals, their lifestyle into like somebody else's rules. And I don't have to tell you that doesn't work. <laughs> you trying to fit yourself. It's like trying to fit a round peg into a square hole. Like, and then the, here's the other thing that we do as women is we say, I'm this round peg. I try to fit myself into the square hole and it doesn't fit. And so then I'm the problem, right? Like as if like you as the round peg is like the problem, like, no, that's not the problem. The problem is you're trying to fit yourself into something that wasn't created for you. And so what I coach women through, and we'll get to macros, I'm getting there, but I think this, this background is important to understand is that you, you don't need to follow other people's rules. You don't need to follow a diet. You don't need to follow what someone else is telling you. You need to figure out what works for your body. And you need to customize this process to your body, to your goals, to your lifestyle, which Lisa, your lifestyle is different from anybody else's. Your body is different from anybody else's. Your goals are different. And so when we can think about it in a fact of like, I need to figure out what works for my body, but I need to have a systematic approach to be able to do that. Because What's going to happen if you just start throwing spaghetti against the wall? You're like, maybe it sticks, maybe it doesn't. And that's what a lot of women do is they're like, I'm going to try this and then I'm going to try this and I'm going to try this. What would it be like if instead of just like randomly trying things, you had a systematic approach to how you figured out how to customize things for your body? And that's what I help clients to do. And one of the tools that I use in that process of helping to customize your nutrition to your body and your goals is macros. And so most of your listeners are probably familiar with the idea of calorie counting. Most of us have grown up with that. We understand that very, very well. But what many women don't understand is that calories come from somewhere. And where they come from are three macronutrients that are in your foods, your carbs, your fat, and your protein. So when you say that something has 200 calories, that's all well and good, those calories come from somewhere. And a specific amount of those calories come from the fat in that food. A specific amount come from carbs and a specific amount come from protein. And when we start to understand that and understand that each of those macronutrients does something different, like protein doesn't do the same thing in your body as carbohydrates do, which don't do the same thing as fat does. You need all of them. We can't go around cutting out macronutrients. Our body functions best when it has a little bit of each of the macronutrients um, because they have different roles. And so when we understand that, we can start to um, look at the macros that you're eating and start to figure out how can we optimize them for you? How can we optimize them for your body and for the goals that you're wanting to see? And so, like I said, macro counting is one tool that I use um, to help women to customize their plan their nutrition plan to themselves. And instead of following someone else's rules, you're able to figure out what is going to work for your body. And we can do that with both your weight, your um, workout and your nutrition. But like I said, most women struggle way more with that in nutrition. And so that's where I focus a lot of my efforts with my clients. So I love how you explained about the rules and that when sometimes women diet, that they're trying to fit 
into somebody else's rules and sometimes that's why it's not working for them. Mm-hmm. And also just being able to have the understanding that it's not about them. It's because they're trying to fit into somebody else's rules. And just the analogy with the square peg and the round hole, that was really, really good. Yeah. I, well, it's something I that I like it. It hurts my heart a lot because I think as women, we internalize a lot. <laughs> and I see this a lot where it's like something happens and then like we internalize it. Like it's our fault. And that's what I see so many women doing when it comes to their bodies and comes to weight loss is they try these things and then it doesn't work. And instead of they blame themselves, <laughs> like I'm the problem and like, I need to get it together. And if I was better then I'd be able to stick to it and I wouldn't go off the rails. And like, I'd be able to not, you know, go to a party and not eat all the food. Like, and so we internalize it. Like it's our fault and it's our problem and that like we're broken. And what I want to offer is that you aren't broken. Like there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that you're trying to fit yourself into something that wasn't ever formulated for you. The woman who created Whole30 doesn't know you. The person who created keto has no idea what your body type is. Like they weren't created for you. And when you can start to understand, understand that, you can let go of some of that guilt and recognize that it's like, it's not, you aren't the problem. Trying to fit yourself into some, into something that wasn't ever created for you is the problem. And when we can step back and understand that and have a path, a path to move forward, to find that path, to find that plan. Like, how do we customize it? How do we create a plan for you? Like, and I'm not talking about like for women in general or for like women in their forties. I'm saying like, how do we create a plan for Lisa? And guess what? Guess who's the best person to create that plan, Lisa? Ain't me. It's you. And so my job as a coach is to facilitate you creating that plan, but I'm never going to tell you what to do because that's not my role. It's my job. I don't know better than you do. You're the best person to be able to create a plan. All I do as a coach is facilitate that process and help walk you through the steps so that you're able, it's able to be clear of what that, what that path could look like for you. Yeah. Letting women be the expert in their own lives. Yes. You're you're there to help facilitate that. I'm, I'm the guide. I'm not, I'm not the the guru. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, so one other thing that I have noticed that I love about some of your posts is I feel like what you're teaching and you're helping women to help create for themselves is something that makes sense for them. I like, I see, I don't see you like, oh, I can't eat this. I can't eat this. I can't eat this. Like you like, oh, it doesn't mean because we're doing macros that it doesn't mean that if I want to have a cookie sometimes, or if Mm -hmm. I want to have I don't know. I, I saw a soda once <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and just that, that there's that opportunity to kind of adapt it. Not that it means you're going to go eat all that stuff, but it also doesn't mean, cause I, I think a lot of times there's that, I got to restrict, I got to cut out, yes. I got to, and I can't have what you mm-hmm. can't have. And I don't see that with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think it's that you bring up a really important point. So yes. Um, you know, diets are built around restriction. They're built around rules, right? Here's the rule. You can't go outside of the box. You can't go outside of the rules. Um, and if you do, well, then you're the problem and you need to come back and follow the rules. And if you just followed the rules, then it would work. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a general like dieting culture. For your, for your um, audience who has maybe heard about macros or maybe follows other people with macros, macros is a really good step because, um, one of the things with macro counting is that no foods are off limits, right? You, you can eat whatever you want, like you'd fit it into your macros. So if you want to have a slice of cake, you fit it into your macros and you build your day around it and you make it work. Um, and so that's a really good step. It's a really great step from 
where most women come from, which is like rules and restriction into this idea that you can eat whatever you want. However, I will say that many, many women and many, many coaches even turn macro counting into another diet because now the restriction starts to become, will you just have to hit your macros? So if you go outside of that, if you don't hit your macros, well, then again, you're the problem. You just need to stick to your numbers. Why can't you hang on over the weekend? Why are you binge eating at night? Like it, 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 it so it's a good step, but a lot of people still take it into that diet, that dieting mentality. Um, and so that's one of the things that really differentiates me and the way that I teach this process is like, we got, we have to remove that idea of like, that this is the restriction. And that if you go outside of these guidelines, that like, it's a problem and, and you need to fix it. Um, and rather working with my clients to figure out how to create a plan that they don't want to go outside of. But like, that's not like, it's not, it's not a desire. Like they're creating a plan that fits their lifestyle. I talk about these two, if you can imagine like a Venn diagram with like two overlapping circles, I talk about how your plan needs to be effective right? We want it to be effective. I want you to have the results that you want, but the other circle is enjoyable. And oftentimes, and there is an area in the middle. There's an area where those two circles overlap for every single woman, where your plan can be effective and enjoyable. And what most women try to do is they try to move so far into the effective effective circle that they leave the enjoyable circle thinking it's going to work faster. And it never works because it doesn't last. It doesn't last long-term and you don't stick with it. And then if we move too far into the enjoyability, but not effective, well, then you're like, yeah, like you're enjoying life. You're YOLOing every weekend, but it's not actually effective. And so my goal is to help clients to be able to move into the center of those circles where it is enjoyable. They like it. They like the way they eat. They're like the way that they've structured their plan. They're enjoying it. And it's also effective for them. It does not have to be either or. It doesn't have to be I can either have an effective plan or an enjoyable plan. You can have both. And that's where that sweet spot is that, that we're trying to find. And you don't feel restricted like that you, because you are allowing yourself that freedom to be able to make choices. So I talk a lot about with my clients about making choices and making informed choices and owning whatever choice that you choose to make. When I hear with this, you're, you're also reducing the stress around all of this and all so the much. anxiety and all the, like the mental health drama that goes with it. Like yes. it just, a lot of that related to eating. Yeah. And are you going to be more effective if you reduce that? Somehow, some, first, like we're so funny. Our brains are funny. I find, I find human nature so funny, but like our brains are like, if I, if I don't have that guilt, if I don't have that shame, then I, then I will just continue eating it. Right. Like if I eat that cookie and I don't have that guilt about eating the cookie, well then like, if I remove that, then I'm just going to eat all the cookies. And it's so funny that we, we think that's, we think that's going to work. We think that the guilt and the shame is what's going to motivate us to change and it's the exact opposite because frankly, if guilt and shame worked, wouldn't it have worked by now? Like wouldn't have worked, right? <laughs> like you've tried the guilt and shame, so it didn't work. So why don't we try something different? And like, why don't we remove that guilt and shame? And I know that you're afraid you're going to go off the rails. I know you're afraid you're like not going to be successful, but what if that's the exact reason that you aren't successful now? And for a lot of women, you hit the nail on the head. That is it. And when we can start to remove the guilt, we remove the shame, we remove the emotions. And we start, I talk about putting on our scientist hat. We start to put on our scientist hat and look at it like an experiment rather than an emotional, like whether or not you're worthy or not, then we can make good rational decisions and we can 
stand as in our power to make choices and to own those choices and use our frontal cortex to make good rational choices yes. Yes. <laughs> rather than our emotions, which are like our primal brain. Um, and so many women are making decisions in their fitness journey from emotions and from their primal brain. And if we can just calm that down and move it to the frontal cortex, they would make such better decisions that they will be, that will move them towards the results that they want. Yes, this makes so much sense. I mean, especially like the world that I'm in, I'm totally, yeah. Yeah. Making decisions yes. from the, yeah, the frontal brain and not doing it from, from yeah. the, yeah, the lower brain. So good. Okay. So I, I appreciate you really, you going and diving into the strength training piece and the, how we really need it as we continue to mm -hmm. age. And then also going into the macro piece and just giving us an understanding of that. Is there any last thoughts or information that you would want to share? Yeah, I, I want to go back a little bit to the strength training piece because, um, you know, some people might be listening and being like, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense, but like, I don't know how to get started. <laughs> like, it's really overwhelming. It's overwhelming to walk into a weight room, not know how to use the equipment, worried that you're going to hurt yourself. Like, those are real, those are real concerns and real fears. And the first one that I want to speak to is this concern that you're going to hurt yourself because that's the one that I hear a lot where women are like, I don't want to lift weights, especially barbells, because I don't want to hurt, hurt myself. And what I want you to consider is that um, if you don't lose, if you don't lose, if you don't lift weights, you are going to hurt yourself. How many people have thrown out their back? How many people have like reached down and tried to pick something out and that's like a tweak? That happens when you, your back isn't strong. That happens when your body isn't strong. And so deadlifting, I know people are like always worried about deadlifting and worried about their back, but what you really should be worried about is having a really weak back because as you get older, you're going to need that back. And if it's not a strong back, then you're going to do something like bend down and pick something up and tweak it and throw your back out for the next week. And so that's why putting in the time now, focusing on building the muscle now, again, it's like you're putting, you're depositing. It's like a little deposit into the bank. Every single time you go to the gym, if you just think about it, like it's a little deposit and it may not seem like it makes a big difference now, but that over time of like that compounding effort, that compounding interest is going to set you up so that your back stays strong, so that your muscles stay strong and that you're not going to get injured by reaching down and picking something up because you have a strong body. And so that's the first thing that, that I want to offer. Um, if there is anybody who's sitting here listening and has maybe some of those same fears, um, and you know how to work through that idea um, because it really it's a give and take sure you may um you don't want to get hurt at the gym right now but are you willing to get hurt later in order to prevent getting hurt at the gym right now and i will say weightlifting is one of the lowest um injuries of any sport like we're talking like point something percentage um, of injuries compared to soccer, compared to baseball, compared to football, compared to even runners, even marathon, like runners are, have a higher number of injury than weightlifters do. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of an unfounded fear and it's okay to feel that fear and do it anyway. Uh, so if someone's saying, okay, Amber, you've convinced me, I mean, you know, I want to, I want to move forward with like lifting weights. I don't know anything about it what is my first step? Um, you know, we're in a funny time right now. Normally I would say that your first step would be going, you know, going to the weight room and maybe hiring a personal trainer to like walk you through some of the things. It's not an option for a lot of people right now, but what is an option is, um, and even if you don't have weights, cause I know weights, weights are also hard to come by. Everyone's, everyone's working out at home. Like it's hard yeah. to find dumbbells right now. 
But that doesn't mean that you can't get started in in just learning about like the different lifts and the different moves. Um, there's a lot of body weight stuff that you can start with. And in fact, I always encourage clients to start with body weight squats before you move to anything else. Like, like before you put a bar on your back, before you lift up dumbbells, like you need to get body weight squats down. And so there's a lot of things you can do with your body, push-ups, uh, body weight squats, lunges that you don't need any equipment for hip, like even like a, a glute bridge, you don't need any equipment for. And so starting even just like a Google search of like body weight, like workout routine is a great place to get started. And it's important to understand that there are different levels that you progress through with weightlifting. And the first level is um, the movement patterns, like learning the, the motor patterns in terms of like, where do my knees go? Where do my hips go? Where do my feet go? Where do like all of these things that you're like trying to keep in your head um, need to become muscle memory, right? When I go to squat with a big heavy bar on my back, I am not thinking about my knees and my hips and my back and my shoulders. And my, like, I'm not thinking about all those things because you can't think about all those things at the same time. I have like one cue in my head and everything else is just muscle memory. And so in order to get to that place, you got to start from ground zero, just getting the motor memory, just getting that muscle memory of like body weight squats, body weight lunges, push-ups, like things that are really um, simple. And so that's where I would start. So if someone's listening, they haven't ever lifted in their life, maybe a little nervous about it, start with body weight exercises, get those down. As you can start to add dumbbells, start to pick up some dumbbells and add them to your squat. But we can start really small um, and have a, that first, <laughs> if we're looking at the a trajectory of your weightlifting journey. Those that first little part of your weightlifting journey, the difference between someone who doesn't lift at all and someone who does body weight lifts is like a huge difference. And then as you like get more experienced, you know, the time you put in doesn't pay off quite as much. But that first thing of just like going from zero weightlifting to some weightlifting, you're gonna get a lot of rewards and a lot of benefits from that. So it's really just important to to start. And you're not gonna hurt yourself with your body weight. So that's all always a great place to to get going. I'm glad that you went into the specifics of that. I just recently learned after doing years of squats when I, I had to go in for some physical therapy for an injury and, and learned that I had been doing squats incorrectly over the years. And so they had to work with me and like that, just that retraining. So the muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. That muscle memory. So I like that you said, learning how to do the proper form first mm -hmm. before you're adding in the weights. So that's really helpful yeah. information. Yeah. And it's going to prevent you from hurting yourself too, right? Like get the muscle memory get the movement patterns right, and then we can add weights. Uh, that's, that's the safest way to go about it. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Okay, so you've given us some amazing information. If women want to go learn more about you and what you do, how can they find you? Yeah, so I mean, if you're listening to this, you're obviously a podcast listener. And so um, the best place to connect with me is probably over on my podcast, which is Biceps After Babies Radio. And um, we have 100 plus episodes on there on lots and lots of different topics um, on weightlifting, on nutrition, and on the mindset piece of, of creating a transformation. Um, I'm also very active over on Instagram. So I'm at Biceps After Babies over there. Um, same thing on Facebook. And our website is bicepsafterbabies.com. And I will link all those in the show notes. And by the way, I love her podcast. So if you are a podcast listener, go and find her at Biceps After Babies Radio, right? Yep. Yep. You got it. Hey, Amber, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. The information was phenomenal. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. All right. Bye-bye. Wasn't that great? 
I learned so much from talking with Amber and felt like she did a really good job simplifying things and kind of breaking it down so that it was easy to understand the strength training piece, um, where to start, and also the nutrition piece. If you want to learn more about Amber, I will link her information in the show notes. And I will see you all next week on the Mamas in Midlife podcast. <music>